Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick. We're here to continue our expectation series. Been having a lot of fun with this this July and, and June. And uh, today we're going to talk about two players again, one from the offense, one from the defense, Gus Edwards and Tavius Robinson, the rookie pass rusher. Joining me to do that is Jason Smith. Jason, how you doing? I'm doing really well, Ken. Great series, by the way. And uh, more, uh, very happy to be a part of it. So thanks again for having me on. Uh, always a pleasure, Jason. You know that you're welcome anytime. And and if 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 I said anything different, it would kind of be a lie, given the the 20 or so shows we've done together over the last year and a half or so. So uh, really happy to 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 have you as a regular part of the family. And uh, I'd like to be on your show, of course, whenever whenever you'd like to have me. Uh, let's talk about Gus Edwards though first a little bit. Uh, now 28 years old, entering his sixth season, uh, missed 21 entirely, came back in 22, had a uh, you know, season that started late, uh, but he again played very well, basically like he has for the rest of his career. I thought it was a good season. I, you know, I was really watching him and JK closely to see how the the series injuries that each of them has had affected him. And Gus to me looked uh, closer, much closer to the old Gus than JK did, especially when JK first came back. Uh, I think Gus's injuries. You know, it's tough to say, but J.K.'s was about as serious as it, it could get from a from a knee injury standpoint. So overall, another year, Ken, five plus yards per carry for Gus Edwards, four out of four. Yeah, since 2018, he's second to Nick Chubb in terms of yards per carry. And it's just just by a razor thin edge. Five, they're both 5.2, but it's 5.24 for Chubb and 5.16 for Edwards. Um, and he since the merger is one of only nine backs with 500 plus career carries. And he's got 501 right now um, who has 5.0 or greater yards per carry. And uh, Barry Sanders is 10th. He's at 5.0, but it's really 4.996 or thereabouts, or maybe it's 4.992, but it's, it's a, it's a slightly less than five yards per carry. Anyway, the company is great there because it includes, Bo Jackson at number one, who only, by the way, how many career carries do you think Bo Jackson had? Uh, you know, it's, it's crazy because they used to get, be shared the backfield with Marcus Allen a, a yep. bunch. I would say, I don't know, 550, 600. 514. I was surprised. I mean, short career, obviously, one of the great things 
one of the things that kept Bo Jackson ahead of the, the curve statistically, aside from being an unbelievable athlete and, you know, OJ Simpson saying he brought more to the position than anybody he ever saw uh, was the fact that he, he skipped his decline phase by with the injury. And, and obviously when that happens for whatever reason, shoeless Joe Jackson, another player who, uh, you know, second or third highest batting average of all time, whichever he is, I think it's, I think he might be second. Um, you know, missed his decline phase. And that's, uh, it's really nice uh, uh, not, not to do that, but it's statistically a a, a response to that, a, a result of that. Uh, so anyway, Gus Edwards and, and most of the other people on the list, because most of them are current backs who were in the low fives and are going to drop off the list by the time they retire, uh, possibly including Edwards. Um, you know, but he is in outstanding company. Jamal Charles is, uh, is on that group. And, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it was just interesting to say, but it's, it's historic level and the Ravens run game and particularly under Roman has really suited him. It really has. And, uh, just a couple of points here, Ken, that the consistency in the, just the raw numbers from his rookie year to 2020 before the mm-hmm. injury, I mean, you're talking about only 11 carry difference between his highest year and his lowest year for carries. His yards, his low was 7.11, his high was 7.23. So you're talking about three straight seasons with between 133 and 144 attempts and three straight seasons ending between 711 and 723 yards. Remarkable. It was almost like if he if he wasn't hurt in 2021, you could just look at those numbers with Greg Roman still as the coordinator and, be, and, and say something like, yeah, I'll probably have – about 140 attempts for 700 and some yards and five point something yards per carry. That was his role. He played it perfectly. And uh, something to comment on, Ken, just from a personal standpoint, Gus is a Raven to me. Like he'll always, no matter what happens from here on out, he'll be a Raven, a part of Ravens history for me because his emergence when Lamar took over just started a whole new era of football uh, that we're still in right now. Uh, Just a total turnaround for the team. Yeah, they both, in fact, in that same game, that Cincinnati game, which basically started the Ravens on their playoff push in 2018, uh, they both came in. And Edwards had a 100-yard game, and Jackson had a 100-yard game. In fact, one of the weirdest moments that you'll ever see, Gus Edwards scored the touchdown with brought them within two. Then he went on the field for the two-point conversion, scored that. Then he went on the field to cover the kickoff. Immediately on the very next play, just one of the weirdest sequences you'll ever see. They didn't try and get a different eleventh man for that kickoff, and uh, just very odd. But you know, if you if if you wanted another you know anecdotal story of Gus, that was pretty remarkable. And they came back, they tied it at twenty one. They went on to win that game uh, against Cincinnati. Uh, you know, one thing that we've always seen from Gus is a great yards after contact uh, per attempt rate, and he's at three point six four last year. Fifth in the NFL, um, it was his career best actually last year. And here's the weird thing: did not really force a lot of missed tackles uh, this last year. Fifteen point five percent missed tackle force rate is not that high for a power back. Um, it's, pre- it's pretty average, but he gets a lot of fall forward yards. A lot of times where he's he's touched and it's maybe not quite a, 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 a what. PFF would call a missed tackle, but it's still a, a a good yards after contact opportunity. So just been remarkably consistent in that way as well. It, it's surprising to me. And I, I think that, you know, the amateur psychologist to me says that last year he knew maybe he didn't have that full flexibility back in the knee. 
and just decided fit to finish runs the hard way instead of trying to make somebody miss. So, so maybe, maybe this year, a little bit of that comes back. Now I didn't think, you know, from the, we talked about the eye test standpoint, I didn't, I would say Gus was maybe 90% of what I remembered him from 2020. Uh, still a very good player, still a very consistent player, but I think he, he had a little bit left on the table maybe that hopefully we'll be able to see coming up here in 2023. Some of that, uh, I think it shows up in that missed tackle number, Ken, uh, Mm -hmm. forced missed tackles where he would just, he had that lateral movement that just improved every year. It seemed where he got more and more elusive as a running back. Uh, But last year, I think he did uh, really uh, finish runs with power as well as he ever has and and is able to get leverage, the leverage of a much shorter back at, at his height. Yeah, definitely. A, a, he has all, all of the elements of a power back you would want. And and he, more than any other player, he's a designated runner when he goes on the field. It used to be Andrews was a guy who would, would play a fairly low percentage of snaps. And I'm talking about his first couple of years in the league, 18 and 19 in particular. And he would get a high percentage of the targets on those plays. Edwards is the same way with running the ball. He goes on there. Uh, you know, typically on first or second down, but there's certainly some very big runs he had, in particular the closeout run against the Steelers on third and three when he ran for six yards. And, you know, the Ravens had um, – uh, who do they have in the game at that point? I think it was Anthony Brown was actually in the game at that point because Huntley had been hurt. And it was a huge third and three, and the season was largely riding on it in terms of the hopes of still making the playoffs anyway. And he, he was he and the offensive line were able to put it away with a nice six or eight yard run, a six yard run. Uh, if you look at it, it's Q four two fourteen in that game to put that away. Yes, made it on my highlight tapes for a bunch of different players. The blocking on that play, I remember specifically, and it's one of those uh, plays in which Ken it doesn't look flashy. Why is this on the highlight tape? Well, it was mm-hmm. it was to close out a game, and you could you could see the, the celebrations of the players afterwards. And uh, I believe it was Anthony Brown. Cause I'm remembering that fake shovel pass forward uh, game. I think mm-hmm. that that might've been the one and uh, Gus finished it off, but, but yes, you know, we, we analyze these players a lot, Ken, and deep, you know, deep dives, dig into their games. There's really, um, really, really a, a lot. Uh, sorry for stumbling there, but Gus, he's just a steady player. And one of my favorites, just because of his, no nonsense demeanor. You never hear anything from him. Uh, when he does talk, he's very mild manner, but he plays with the the passion and you can see the drive and, and the willingness to compete. Uh, I think he went a long time. Ken didn't see this stat Googled briefly. Maybe you have it long shot here, but he went a, a tremendous amount of carries without taking a, a, a tackle for loss. Yes. Or, uh, when he's a rookie. Was, yeah. yeah. I, th- I think that streak might've extended into like, you know, the next season, obviously, but mm-hmm. kept going for a while. Well, you're talking about a straight ahead runner. Um, but yeah, you know, aside from all the, the analytics, uh, the, all the analyzing that we do, I just, I just, you know, really love Gus. And that was one of the reasons that I wanted to jump on this show with you just to show some appreciation for the, for the player. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, he's, he's been a great Raven already, whatever happens with whether this is his last year as a Raven, which it might be, obviously he's one of a couple of guys. We'll come back to that a little bit later. I want to talk about his receiving a little bit first, though, because that was an area in 2020 when he last played, obviously, that, that he was very effective at 9.9 yards per target. 21 didn't play. 22 came back and had zero receptions on two targets. So obviously not a factor in the in the 
in the passing game this last year. But the 9.9 yards per target, I mean, that's one of the highest numbers ever for any receiver if you want to define it down to 13 targets that the Ravens have ever had. Um, you know, maybe there's six guys, seven guys that have been that high or higher in 13-plus targets. Um, and uh, that's it, it really is a terrific number for a running back, period. There's some big plays. Remember one 35-yard play roughly down the middle of the field where they, you know, broke the typical rules in terms of, of getting him an opportunity real, you know, farther down the field than the, that you would normally do for a running back. Um, I would love to see that come back. I don't really know if that's in the cards for him. Yes. And you think about it, that that'll be something I touch on, on the, uh, when we get to the good year, great year, but mm-hmm. um, you know, with such a low number of catches uh, and targets for that matter, 13 targets, nine receptions in 2020, I think he had one that he really earned, down the right sideline uh, and a big play like that can skew those numbers. So, so no, um, Gus, I think in the past part uh, passing game, what I love most about him uh, over all the backs that we have actually is his pass protection. So it would be really nice if he could expand his game in that area because JK Dobbins started slow. I think he's maybe average at pass protection, sometimes not average at pass protection, uh, Justice Hill is a little undersized. You have no idea what you're getting from the rookie, and rookies usually take some time. Uh, some strictly from a pass pro standpoint, uh, if Munkin wants to send out four receivers or you know combination of receivers, tight end, four targets out into the uh, into the pass play and rely on his back to pass protect more, Gus would be the best candidate for that, uh, in my opinion, going into the season. I, I like Gus, and certainly in terms of size, I would automatically think he is the guy that would take you, you know, to the next level as a as a pass protector. Honestly, at at his size, he should be able to stop some linebackers in their tracks. Don't have to go low on them or whatever. I mean, he should he should have more effect, in my opinion, on the pass blocking game. I don't think it was ever a, a, a consideration that he'd be in on third down to pass protect. That's been Hill anyway. Uh, this last year, uh, it could be Dobbins again, possibly if they want some uh, uh, more playmaking out, out of that as well. But uh, I think we'll see. I, I think we could see a variety of things. And because of it, I think we'll see more passing on all downs, certainly all of them. There's going to be a focus on what pass blocking they can deliver. Yes. And, you know, I can remember uh, a few plays off the top of my head where it was a, a, an RPO and Lamar put the ball into his belly tried to put the ball to his belly, but Gus recognized the blitz coming from the other side of the formation, mm-hmm. bailed on the fake and just picked the guy up. So I like Gus's That's vision. That's big time. Yeah, it's, it's the vision. I mean, he's big enough to where even if he even if he gives ground or, um, you know, doesn't get the best of the contact, where the vision is the number one thing. You try, try hard. I saw that with Ray Rice. He wasn't – I don't think he was terrible at it, but, you know, his size definitely limited him, even though he mm-hmm. was a – act player um but yeah gus i think that he he might be ken you talking about those first or second down passing situations you know as far as pass protection that might get him on the field more yeah well i i think that's you know that's certainly possible he should be on the field plenty anyway uh you know i don't want to jinx this anyway to to a little bit but certainly i certainly hope dobbins is not considering holding out um, but if there was if if it, if it, that became a situation and then Keaton Mitchell really becomes a guy that the Ravens are depending on a lot. And I think he'll basically be an early down back 
because early down backfield back. I think he could be a later down guy. You can really confuse a defensive coordinator with why he's on the field and try and make him send in a different personnel package for that. Cause you can, you, you have a lot of pony options with a guy who's that kind of speed and that kind of, uh, uh, you know, playmaking ability. But uh, if, if for some reason, uh, JK decides he doesn't want to play or he wants to come back for the last six games or whatever it might be. Um, I think that would be unfortunate, obviously. I think I don't think it will help Dobbins in terms of his contract status for next year. Um, but I think that would would uh, really put the focus on Gus to be a pass blocker when Mitchell and Hill are the two other opportunities. Now, Hill's been okay as a pass blocker, I think, and that's why he's been out there on third down. But I don't think they want to expand him to you know, half the carries either. So it means that, you know, with Mitchell, uh, you're going to have to have him on the field or, or get somebody else uh, on, on some early downs. And I, I it's it, it will put a strain on the offense if that's if that is the case. Yes, I'm I'm not uh, I'm not mentally prepared for J.K. to to miss games uh, yeah. to hold out by holding out. I don't think it does him any good. But, you know, the running backs are in a no win situation here if you. You, you know, you either have too many miles on you or you held out. Maybe mm-hmm. there's some character questions. Um, yeah, it's a tough situation for the running backs. And I agree with you on uh, you brought up Justice Hill there. I went back to look to see what kind of role that he may have. And something that struck me from last season, Ken, was that even when Gus and J.K. were banged up, uh, I thought Justice Hill could have gotten more carries and he didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. Talking about uh, he only had a high of eight carries last year justice hill we're speaking of and i went back and i'm like okay well i remember that pittsburgh game the last game of 2019 when rg3 started and they you know obviously were protecting ingram i remember justice hill got a bunch of carries in that game and i went back and looked and it was 10 yeah. that's his career high of 10 10 carries so i don't think the ravens view him after what i saw last year uh, as somebody that can handle 15 carries a game uh so yes, Gus is Gus is an important player to this team, not only from Dobbins' standpoint, but also for how they've used Justice Hill. I'm not sure this team has a 20 carry per game back, or or even one that. I, I'll say this: I think the number of 20 carry uh, games this season for all backs combined will be say two or less. I, I don't I don't think that you know, and, and I'd like to look back and see even how it was during the Roman era. I don't think they've had a bunch of them. Uh, you know, during that time, probably Edwards has had a few, but I, but I just don't recall them right off the top of my head. Anyway, uh, it, it's, it's, we'll see how Monken runs things differently. Cause obviously I would think there'd be more total passing plays, fewer, maybe, maybe not distinctly fewer run plays. Cause I think there's going to be more offensive plays in general as they play faster. Also allow more offensive plays for the opponent, which is probably, you know, something they need really need to consider. And then, uh, uh, you know, it may, it may mean the run plays are almost as high uh, and all the incremental plays are passes, but it uh, probably means a little fewer in the run department. Agreed. So that, that brings us to something or brings me to something I wanted to speak with you about on this pod. And that's how you expect the Ravens to deploy a healthy JK and Gus during this season. Just talking about those two as the main carriers of the ball, because something tells me, Ken, just a hunch that Munkin will be more reliant on JK than Greg Roman was uh, squeaky wheel gets the grease is a factor, but also looking at a contract year for JK, 
Maybe the Ravens want to feature him finally. Uh, you know, famously, he doesn't think he gets the ball enough. And I think with Greg Roman, there was a real balance there between, okay, maybe J.K. gets the first two series and Gus gets the next series, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of split do you expect? Because I kind of expect J.K. to be more of a lead back and not a 1A, 1B type situation. Could certainly be the case. And if you're talking about who can adapt to 11 personnel better, I think that's the the real question because I think we'll see a lot more of that early in games from the Ravens, that they'll be going to, to a lot more 11. There will be some 12. I don't think they'll, they'll, they'll take that out of the offense. But I think that more of what they do with the heavier packages, 21, 22, 12 even, um, I think 13 sometimes, I think we'll see when the Ravens have the lead. And I think, you know, you want Edwards to salt away games. So it may even be a case that it really makes sense. It, it, you go back to the 1980s and the Redskins had, I believe they had Ernest Biner at that point, And they had Ricky Urbans for the second half. They would bring it. And he just, they just split the carries by half. Gibbs would, would bring Urbans in in the second half. And, and he would be very effective against a, a, you know, a worn out defense a little bit. With Edwards, if you're trying to salt the game away with a power back, and then you also want to want to um, you know include some passing from Lamar with that, then maybe you go to the pistol in the second half. You 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 run with Edwards. You make Lamar the outside threat again. I actually think Lamar's more effective as the inside threat, but you can you can also balance it with with some carries for each. But it may be that Edwards gets more carries of the lead, and Dobbins gets more carries when the the game is still within a closer range or early. I kind of think so. I kind of think the, the other reason for that is the the talent of JK Dobbins. Mm-hmm. That if you're going to be uh, running a fewer percentage, running on a fewer percentage of plays, maybe you want to maximize those, those carries with JK. Whereas Roman knew he was going to be running the ball from the start of the game to the end of the game. Uh, if the game went well and wanted to manage those carries among two people, spread them out more among two people, uh, so, yeah, something tells me, Ken, that that J.K. is going to be the RB1, not 1A and Gus 1B, uh, which would leave Gus's role, uh, you know, made me kind of hard to, 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 to pencil in the expectations here with a new offensive coordinator. Yeah, it's, it's fair. Um, uh, it's, it's a, you know, this is a this is a, a legitimate question. I, I, I would not think the Ravens would look at it towards maximizing who J.K. is specifically. You know, it's a contract year for both of them. They want to get high rate statistics from both of them. And, you know, whoever I think is is playing the best, you keep feeding him the ball. Um, You know, hopefully neither running back, given the amount of carries we hope they will still have, uh, is going to be too upset with the amount of production opportunity they get. Uh, You never know. I mean, J.K. has been fairly squeaky about it. Edwards has been fairly unsqueaky about it in terms of what's going on. But I think both of them probably are at a point where they would like to have a little security beyond this season. I know that's, you know, JK has made no, no bones about it. Edwards probably feels the same way. We've heard already from Zeitler. We've heard already from Queen, you know, the Ravens just have not a lot of money to give out in terms of long-term contracts right now. And I think everybody pretty much that I just named has to wait till the end of the year and probably most of three out of four, at least will get paid by another team. Yes. And, you know, of course, Gus Edwards wants the ball. I don't want to paint it this way, but something else to consider, Ken, you know, his contract was altered in March and basically um, his cap hit was cut in half, went from 5.6 something to 2.8 something. 
created 2.654. He took a 900K pay cut, which can be earned back in incentives. So but Gus- Didn't that add void years too? So there's not, it's not like, okay. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I, maybe I'm not understanding the point, so I don't want to jump, jump to the conclusion, but what's the point about that? About this? Well, the, the point is why well, the pay cut part, I took uh, straight from Jameson Hensley tweet. Uh, that that 900k uh, pay cut in there, which can be earned back in incentives. That was directly from a tweet when I did the research on it. Uh, what I'm saying is Gus did get paid, and that that deal looks very smart for Gus Edwards right now. Uh, the one that he signed, uh, that he's coming up on the end of. So uh, as far as a security situation, uh, J.K. really hasn't made his money um, compared to the money that Gus has made. So. Yes, I do think that the Ravens don't want to create any problems. I think J.K. is the more talented back. I think he's the more versatile back when you're talking about some of the stretch zone that Munkin may may want to employ here. Uh, you know, J.K. can run outside the tackles, between the tackles. So I, I really think that he'll be featured here uh, over Gus, and it may be a situation uh, in which you're talking about where Gus is brought in to close out some of these games. Yeah. Yep. Uh what else do we want to talk about for 2023? Um, scheme, I think we kind of hit on. I think whether or not he can find a role in the receiving receiving game. You know, we haven't seen what Monken's offense looks like. We've heard some very good comments he's made that seems to really convey an understanding of what might be successful. But we also kind of got to see some of it in terms of understand what the role will be for players like Duvernay or Likely or or even Beckham uh, and others within the offense. What are they trying to do with Flowers in order to, to take safety help off the top and clear space? You know, how are they designating first and second reads so that Lamar's not, you know, Lamar's intentionally spreading the ball more and decreasing the number of marginal targets to the favored receivers? I, all of that it's possible within it that Gus Edwards finds a role. It just seems like if you're talking about how can, how can you find a role for a guy like that, finding a receiving role for Gus Edwards actually pretty far down the list. So I would think that, you know, finding a receiving role for Jakey Dobbins, for example, um, would be a much more significant part of, of, of what Munkin would try and build into a playbook that he's building for, for, for this personnel group. Agreed. And JK needs to catch the ball. Um, got to catch the ball because jk in open space is deadly and you know again i'll come back to gus here it gus has showed pretty good hands he, uh you know obviously very very limited sample size but you get gus out there in the flat with with some cornerback trying to fight off a block and tackle him and some linebacker with a bad angle or you know undersized safety that's that's no fun either so um you know, that would, uh, you know, when we get to expectations, I, I'm holding something back here again. But, uh, right. but, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see what happens with the passing game because I think we, we will see more designed passes to the running back. I we almost have to by default. Probably. I mean, if it's part of the horizontal stretching out of 11 where you're not doing it all from sidecar and with motion and with counters and whatnot, I mean, there's multiple ways to do it. But if you, if you, if you want to keep your linemen in place where they might pass block, you probably don't want to run counter all the time and they can't, they can pass out a counter, you know, with, with Jackson, but it's not, it's not the, the, the ideal situation I think they want. So it's, it's, it does limit one of the tools they have 
to stretch the field horizontally. So, so they, uh, uh, you know, we'll have to find other ways to do it and go into the side to a, to a back releasing, uh, you know, for a swing pass instead of a, something where he's coming through the mesh point to do it is a, is a perfectly reasonable way to, to try and get that accomplished. So we'll see. I, I think, you know, it's been mentioned by a number of guests on this show that they think that, um, Monkinus is committed to horizontally stretching the field as he is to vertically. I think probably what the big change we'll see is in the vertical and the horizontal will probably be less challenged than was under Roman because that was the primary element of the Roman game was really horizontal stretching to make a, a stretch, stretch out the, um, you know, the defense into a thin rubber band across 53 and a third yards and see if you can puncture through that at a point of attack with additional power. And and he was very good at, at scheming that up. I think, I think we're going to see some commitment to horizontal stretching, but it just, I don't see how it could be as much with Munkin. Yes, I agree. I agree. I mean, Greg Roman, we were familiar with uh, how he did it with Duvernay, whether it would be on mm-hmm. a jet sweep or a, a short screen out to Duvernay with the two tight ends blocking for him. Um, it's more, you know, it took Greg Roman a while to get to that deep overpass that was really, really effective for him at times when he ran it with Sammy. And we saw it with Deshaun Jackson uh, at a big moment in the Jacksonville game. But, yeah, I agree. The the vertical, stretching vertically, uh, I think Nelson Aguilar can help with that too as well. Um, you know, a, a good ball tracker. He's very good at tracking the ball. So you, you send uh, uh, Aguilar, you know, straight up the field from the slot. It may be a different look for Lamar, maybe a more trust factor than he had with DuVernay in the same role. Okay. All right. We'll see about that. Let's get back to a good season here. What is a good season for Gus Edwards? Sure. Uh, I have active for 15 plus games. So I'm going to put a health disclaimer on there. I expect, you know, your backs to get a little beat up. Maybe he gets rested a game, uh, that kind of thing, or twist an ankle. But for the most part, a durable season, 15 plus games. Also had only behind J.K. Dobbins and carries. I think that that would be a very good season for him if he can fend off uh, some of the speed backs that we have uh, in Justice Hill and uh, Keaton Mitchell. And here's the key one, Ken. Uh, Love to hear your comment on this. His play makes the team want him back in 2024. Sure. Not saying they can agree agree on a price. Um, But my side to this one is, Ken, it's pretty simple. I think J.K., will go where the money goes. I think J.K. Uh, will be desired as much as a running back can be these days, but I don't expect J.K. Dobbins to be back. Uh, Justice Hill, we mentioned the confidence the coaching staff has in him, seems to be more as a gunner on special teams than as a as a carrier of the ball. He's cuttable next year. You don't, you know, you don't know what you have with Keaton Mitchell yet or any other back. So if I had to guess among the three backs, you know, that we have the top three backs, who is most likely to be back uh, carrying the football for the Ravens next year? I would actually say Gus. I would actually say Gus has a higher percentage. So a good year for me is Gus looks like Gus, and the team says, you know what, let's try to make an offer. Uh, we have the void year out there. Let's let's forget about that for a second and uh, just make sure he's part of the team here in 2024. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that makes very good logical sense, and I would agree of the four players we named, of Queen, um, Edwards, Dobbins, and who's it, Zeitler. I think he's clearly the guy who's most likely to resign. He's probably the most affordable. If you toss in Broderick Washington and Matabike, I might slip Washington to the top of the list of resignables and have Edwards number two. But 
Uh, I put Matt Abike in the in the very unlikely to be resigned at this point. We'll see, but uh, it certainly would address a need. But uh, but we'll see. And I think you know you're probably right also in in the notion that the Ravens, since they need to keep one back, uh, probably um, or would like to keep one back, particularly if Mitchell doesn't just erupt for a pretty solid year, you know, where it shows some durability of some ability to take up significant carry load and whatnot. Um, that I think they're probably going to want to have a uh, another back returning. And I think they're, they should be, if they're not, pretty well fed up from the veteran running back treadmill because it's worked out even worse than the veteran wide receiver treadmill at this point. Absolutely, absolutely. Gus just strikes me as the kind of guy that, okay, he's worked with the team already before the season. Maybe you don't want to turn over the entire backfield, mesh point, yada, yada, yada. Yep have some confidence in Gus and say, look, you know, even if Gus loses a, a half a step here as he's, you know, getting close to 30 years old, that we still want to have that safety neck of a net of a veteran back. We know it works hard, shows up to practice. So a good season for me, the team would, would want him back uh, as they draft and get younger at that position. Let me go ahead with my definition of a good season. It's similar, but I don't have the same kind of expectation in terms of durability. I said remains on the efficient frontier of breakaway percentage and Yakko per attempt. Okay. So, you know, he, he should be either, either good at both of them or great and, and okay, or great at Yakko again and okay at breakaway percentage. Uh, but anyway, on that efficient frontier of those two statistics, minimal concessions to age as a runner. I'm expecting some, honestly, as great as he's been in the four of five years he's played so far. I would think this is a year where we would likely see decline if he gets a full workload. And part of what I'm saying in terms of durability is that he returns to 140 plus touches. So receiving and running um, uh, this year uh, on an offense that runs more total plays. So maybe this is a case where he gets uh, 10 targets. I guess I'm really talking targets plus plus attempts, uh, 14 targets, something like that, but also 125 to 140 uh, rushes as well and then uh, continues to run effectively, hopefully. But I don't have a, a, a specific game expectation. He got 140 carries, I think, in, in his first year in 11 games, right? When he came in, it was 137 in 11 games. So, yeah. And he I only worked. started six of those. And I think he might have really only had serious playing time in the last seven that Jackson was the quarterback. Correct. Correct. Yeah. Yep. Um, all right. So what's a great season to you? Great season to me. Uh, I, I put the 5.0 yards per carry yet again. I, it is just an unknown with the, the the new system. So if he can average 5.0 yards per carry, not only in Roman system, but in Munkin system, that's a great year to me. And uh, finally getting to my, I, I think that a great year to me would, would be he has a dozen receptions. I, I set the number at a dozen. And to me, what that would indicate, Ken, um, I think you said it really well earlier in the show, uh, a design pass on first or second down. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not that, you know, maybe Justice Hill still retains his role as the third down back. But, okay, we have these free yards we can get to set us up on a nice distance uh, and second, you know, second and six, second and four. Uh, So first and ten, let's swing it out to Gus. We know he's going to, you know, bull his way through, if not make somebody miss make life miserable on some poor DB trying to tackle him. And instead of running the ball in creative ways like Greg Roman would do to create those positive first downs, Gus catches a dozen balls. His career high, by the way, is nine. 
He has 18, 18 total receptions in his career. So although 12 catches is a pretty uh, modest number to me, that would say great big, big jump forward. <laughs> big jump forward. Yes. You know, that we trust him uh, throwing the ball to Gus. Yeah, I, uh, I I didn't put that kind of a limit on him, but it'd be it'd be terrific if he gets you know a number of targets that were like that. It means that Monken has found a role for him in the passing game, or at least is trying to, and is probing at opposing defenses and and frankly seeing what Edwards has as a as a uh, receiver. I think the way you put it is good. It's really an extension of the run game as you've described it. That would be, I think, a particularly low yards per target as described that's more like what patrick ricard would do as a receiver you know four to five yards per 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 play here which is fine if if you have a very high percentage of completions and a you know high percentage of getting approximately that number of yards um but it's it's not fine if it's a lot of um a lot of zeros to go with a few tens kind of thing and i think edwards is uh, is probably it's you save big on your memorial day barbecue all in the kroger app Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. not putting him in the best position to make him stop to make a reception. Um, and then, sorry, I mean, part of the great thing about Gus is he gets to level two with a full head of steam where first contact occurs because the offensive line with, with Roman schemes got him there. And that's what is creating a lot of that great Yakko. If you put him out on the edge and all of a sudden, you know, he's reaching somewhere to get the football and then he has to turn back upfield and get started again. Not the ideal kind of situation, not the ideal um, use of Edwards power. Uh, out there. So I, I, what I would hope is that they use him on some wheel routes, some unusual routes that we haven't seen before that get him open maybe as a, um, a third receiving threat through a zone. You know, we've seen these ghost kind of plays before, by the way, I, I'm going to go on a little bit of tangent here. Ray Lewis, um, when he was on the goal line beginning at second and five for the 49ers in the Super Bowl, his last three defensive plays, one of them, he covered the kind of route I'm talking about, where it's a clear-out route, and Frank Gore was the third or fourth receiving option through that spot. The play was clearly designed for Gore, if if you watch it. Ray Lewis was right on top of it. The ball went out to Crabtree. Jimmy Smith about took his head off on the play. And I think people will remember that about the play. What they don't remember is this incredible contribution Ray Lewis did to, to diagnose what was going on and be in the right spots. That wasn't just an easy walk-in touchdown for Gore. Uh, th- this is the kind of offense where because they'll have vertical threats, because they'll have some some middle of the field crossing threats, because linebackers have to worry about Lamar himself, that Edwards in space like that, particularly after after clear outs have occurred and as a late release, maybe after a chip block could be quite dangerous. And, and I, I'd, I'd love to see some plays schemed for that where it's really the first read and you're really worrying about, you know, finding finding space to make that throw or finding time to make that late throw. Yes. I love those plays, especially when the quarterback gives the token pump fake yeah. to the receiver. That's, you know, 
gaining all the attention. So just imagine Zay Flowers has burnt you on a couple of bubble screens or something like that, some explosive guy. And, you, you know, you give the – Zay Flowers just turns around, looks for the ball. Lamar gives him a pump fake. He has no intention to throw into Flowers. It just draws everybody up, and Gus sneaks out the level two, a nice little touch on it. But, yes, it, it would be nice. You know, I, I don't know how many fans really care about this. I mean, I think that they're really focused on the passing game, but I think it, it would be really nice to get these big backs out there uh, with some kind of reception. And again, if, if Gus was the lead back, that number would be higher for me, Ken. I just don't know what kind of role that he's going to have. But uh, you mentioned it beautifully. Even if it's not a – you know, you have to connect on those plays because they're not uh, explosive plays. You don't expect them to be explosive plays. They're keeping the sticks moving, keeping your offense on schedule type of plays. So that would show uh, real growth in this offense uh, – Overall, if Gus has a dozen catches, that means J.K. can probably do it, too. Uh, I mean, some good timing, some good scheming and a good way to get cheap yards outside of just running up the middle or, uh, you know, relying on your offensive line to create those yards for you. Did you co- conclude with your great season? Was that that was that the you had a dozen receptions was the last thing, right? That was it. Yes. Yeah, sorry, okay. Ken. Yeah. No, no, I, I just want to make sure you're done. I didn't interrupt you in responding to that. But uh, great season for me, 15-plus regular season games. So that's basically – you had that in the good category. I, I actually think that would be terrific if he, if he could do that. Um, continues his fine streak of durability with with basically being able to play those 15 games and not you know having restrictions that are limiting to a few carries, coming back and off and on, injuries and all that stuff. Really, I'm hoping he could play 15 games effectively. Um, here's the big thing. We got to see if he can thrive in 11 personnel. So can Monken scheme up a way that Edwards doesn't become less than he was before without Ricard, um, or without some of the other deception necessarily that goes with having Lamar Jackson. So they've got to find a way to make him effective in 11. I'm sure he'll be effective in 12. Um, I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll be fine if they have 21 on the field. Uh, but I want to see him effective in 11 personnel because I think there's going to be a, a a lot of it. And the, the heavier packages, they will return. I think Patrick Ricard is still going to have a role on this team. They will return when the Ravens are trying to close out games. Uh, needs to beat father timeout by effectively matching his career productivity in the important metrics. So what I'm talking about there is Yakko and yards per yards per attempt in total over five, like you said. And, um, you know, if he's up there at his normal kind of a Yakko level, that that would be fine. And, you know, the biggest thing of all is that he finally gets to have a deep playoff run. A lot of players on the Ravens don't have good playoff records. Kevin Zeitler is 0-5 in the playoffs in his career. Uh, but Edwards is 1-4, and and he's been one of the guys who's been here for the whole, the whole time, along with Andrews, along with Jackson, of course. Um, and it'd be nice to see all those guys get a deep playoff run, to, to in, particularly in the case of departing players uh, who won't necessarily have another chance uh, to play for a winner again. I feel like we're due, Ken. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, it's just been a tough couple of years. And hopefully, you know, it's just like that that 2021 season was so devastating that there was a hangover into 2022 with health, with Ronnie, mm-hmm. with JK. Uh, even if you want to say Roman's offense kind of stalling out. And it just feels like all the good karma is I coming mean- towards us, hopefully. The defense all was there in the second half. The, the base, basically, this team was Lamar Jackson away from being a very serious Super Bowl contender, which is a hell of a long way away when you're, you know, you're you're dropping off to a to Tyler Huntley at quarterback. And you know, I'm not trying to shame Tyler in this in this way. It's just you lose Lamar Jackson, like you lose anybody who's critical to your offense, you're you're gone. Ronnie Stanley, uh, you know, 
uh, he, he was good enough for the Ravens to win last year. He wasn't the, the greatest we've ever seen him, but he was certainly good enough for the, uh, for the Ravens to, to be there last year. I just, I, I, I know it was frustrating to the Ravens in 22. Um, it was probably frustrating in 20, how that season ended up ending in Buffalo with, with some of the, you know, the, the goal line interception and whatnot. Uh, I'm sure it was clearly uh, upsetting what happened with Tyler in there when they, when they put up a great F great fight against the Bengals to lose the game the way they did. But uh, boy, they, they are due. They really need to have that. Like you got your, you know, your franchise quarterback hurt two years in a row to end the season and, you know, the injuries overall in, in, in 2021, it just seems like a lot of bad luck, man. So I'm hopeful for this season. I'm really excited. And I think that there's something to be said for a new offensive coordinator. And the NFL has never seen Todd Munkin with Lamar Jackson. Uh, what is the game plan? You know, it might take the league a half year before they start to get that down. I think all of that kind of works in the Ravens' favor, man. So fingers crossed. All righty, man. Let's move on. Talk Tavius Robinson here. Uh very interesting draft pick. I didn't didn't see it coming, but 6'6", 257, long arms, 23 bench reps. That's grown man strength coming out of school. Uh, he is 24 already, so he turned 24 actually in January. So he's really 24 and three quarters when the season begins, or 24 and two thirds. Um, he he comes out of the same area of Canada. It's in the Toronto area, actually. If you looked at like how much of the population is right along the border. I think people know in general that, that most of the Canadian population is within a, you know, a few miles of the American border and whatnot. But the, the other thing is that a huge percentage of population is right in the Toronto area and all the towns, you know, you hear the Hamilton tiger cats or uh, I mean, Hamilton is basically a suburb of Toronto. It's, it's, it's uh, just a little bit out of the city. And um, he came from Guelph collegiate vocational Institute Um in Ontario. Then he went to the University of Guelph. <laughs> and then the last three years at Ole Miss, of course, where where he uh, uh, showed up on tape. Tell us a little bit. I know he was on your list. He, he was. He was on my list uh, under the draftable. It wasn't someone that I was coveting that day. Uh, but I think that it really tells us a little bit about where this defense is, is going and uh, that us as Ravens fans, we have to kind of condition ourselves away from maybe some of the more traditional Ravens defenses we've seen. And definitely the, the non wink defense, the transition away from wink, because uh, you know, when we were looking at linebackers for this draft, I was looking at guys who could play Sam and, uh, and that kind of thing. Cause you have a way that, you know, on the rush end and Ojabo on the rush end and Hey, maybe Houston comes back. He's, he's a rush, rush defender, end. Yeah. rush end. And, and uh, Tavius Robinson, if, if you want to look at him in, in Wink's defense, he would be another rush end. But I think what, what you're looking at with Mike McDonald is you're expected for rushing. Uh, you know, you're facing 11 personnel on the other team. So you're going to have your five DBs. Um, they seem hell-bent on playing PQ and Roquan together in the middle of that. More zone defense. And what does that leave? That leaves your four guys up front just getting after the quarterback. So, uh, I think we have to, you know, like the Sam linebacker in the Ravens scheme is becoming a little less important, a little more antiquated a term. I'm not saying that they won't face 12 personnel, but uh, when you look at, uh, I look at Tavius more as a strong side defensive end, Ken, than the Sam linebacker. Fair enough. I, I you know, obviously they need to get through the, all the snaps and Tyus Bowser is one of a kind 
in terms of his ability to 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 drop into coverage. But it's it's not just about you know how they deal with the tight end and who's who exactly is covering. It's about the flexibility for the pass rush. And if you can drop Tyus Bowser off the line of scrimmage and have him take meaningful coverage responsibilities, whether it's running back, tight end, short zone, whatever it might be, and that allows you to create another overload or blitz Patrick Queen or blitz Roquan or send a safety, send the slot corner, whatever it might be. I mean, just have a lot more flexibility when your Sam linebacker can drop. And and that's what's so important to the Ravens. They, they, they had an embarrassment of riches when they had Bowser and Judon together and all the things they could do with that. And so you can't ever really expect that again. But I also, I have to expect a second Sam linebacker who can do a couple of the three responsibilities important. Rush the passer himself, play good edge defense, and drop the cover. Of those three things, I want somebody who can do two. Vince Beagle might have been that guy last year. Didn't make it through in terms of the the, the injury. But um, you know the, the, the Ravens are going to have to try and find somebody to do that role. And I, I really hope they don't go back to Oway there because – I think it will limit away the pass rusher to such a degree to be messed up with pass rush responsibilities on a on a per on a differing by down or differing by series basis that I really don't want to see that. Yeah, and again, you know, maybe this is something that you and I don't see completely eye to eye on because, uh, well, I agree about away. By the way, mm-hmm. it was regarding away. Mm-hmm. He's better. He's he's best. Uh, I want to see him getting after the passer and not dropping into coverage. I was simply saying that under McDonald, it seems like the blitzes were more simplistic. It was either, uh, you know, your slot corner blitz coming off the slot, or it was some combination of Roquan or Patrick Queen coming up the middle. And there wasn't this, uh, okay, well, we got five across, which four are coming or all five coming. Uh, who's dropping into coverage. It was more like, hey, these are our four big boys up front and they're coming for you. So I see Tavius is more like playing like the JPP type role that we saw last year, uh, hand in the dirt, strong side defensive end and and uh, going away from the Sam linebacker. So I don't know if that's something that we'll, we'll totally agree on there, but that's I see a, a, soft <laughs> line, a soft zone behind that, um, you know, the McDonald's zone defense. So let's talk a little bit about, Tavius's potential as a run stopper, because one of the things I'd say away is he really looks like a situational pass rusher to me as a rookie. Now the Ravens don't have a lot of other choices, but they do have one that they used last year is to eat some early down. Well, they eat some early down snaps very effectively with JPP, but they also ate some early down snaps before they had a number of outside linebackers who could even step on the field with uh, Malik Harrison. Yes. Yes, and I think that this was something that was up and down for Tavius. And I think his height at 6'6 works against him in that in that run defense, Ken. I think it was more of a leverage issue. You mentioned the grown man strength with the long arms and the bench press. I see it there, and I saw it on several plays where he's just controlling the guy and too strong for the, the tackle that's trying to block him. But too many plays, um, you know, I went back and watched the, the Kentucky game before the show. And just too many times he's losing the battle of leverage. He's six, six. Uh, there's better form from the guy that's blocking him and he's getting uprooted and moved around a little too much because of it. So um, I think that that's something that he's going to have to focus on. I think that's going to be a major focus for him and in, in, in the coaching staff is to get him becoming a strong edge setter. Yeah. Uh, I, I, the game that I spent time watching again before the episode was that Texas tech, loss in the Texas Bowl. Yeah, it was the Texas Bowl. Um, 
they had 90 defensive snaps in that game Ole Miss did. He played 60 of them. So he's definitely been on the field enough at times. He had a great game there. It got, it got stood up a couple of times on short scoring runs, which is, is part of what I'm seeing. It's just a, a, a gets a, probably loses that battle a little more than he should. You know, you can be very tall and have very long arms and, and get consistently excellent leverage. Look at Brent Urban, for example, if you want a player like that who's, who's very good. And, and, and a lot of taller you know, defensive ends are, are in that category as well as particularly ones who are four, three ends. Um, but you know, you can also just not be particularly good at that. Hopefully that's something Chuck Smith will help him do. And he can become, you know, Chuck Smith can become a run gate or run edge setting whisperer as well. And not just a pass rush guy, which we'd love to see, but he looked great in that game. He did get off to the quarterback very effectively, uh, high motor, uh, chasing down Tyler Shuck, uh, you know, rolling left on an extended play and, and I, just lots to lots to like about him as a pass rusher. Uh, also really goes for the club, uh, which is one of the nice things. You know, we, we, uh, the, the number one guy, Anderson, um, you know, had one forced fumble in 34 college sacks. And uh, Tavius Robinson, I think, was close to the the NCAA lead. Uh, his third in the NCAA lead um, with four forced fumbles in 22, first in the SEC. So if you believe in, in big conference performances, then that's that's pretty nice. David DeJava is another one. That's what I love about him is yeah. he's always hunting the ball in the quarterback's arm. It's not just about the sack. But, yes, you know, Tavius, his hustle stood out. You know, he's a, he's a linear athlete, which is part of the reason I remember on draft day, you and I say, man, he doesn't play Sam. You know what? That's another rush end. Um, but his size, I think he's got a little bit room for balk too, Ken. Uh, mm-hmm. 6'6", So maybe he muscles up a little bit. Calais Campbell's another tall guy uh, I was thinking of when you were talking there. Um, you know, excellent against the run. You know, mm-hmm. just great against the run at 6'8". Uh, so Tavius, you know, hopefully some pro coaching. And, you know, you mentioned his time at what was it, Guelph, Guelph University? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hopefully the Ravens can teach the run a little bit better here uh, than they did at Quelth. So he's got some room, room to grow mentally and physically. And, you know, uh, also with run defense, Ken, you mentioned his motor, the want to is more than half the battle on on run defense. So you expect him to have that kind of mindset where he come from in Canada, uh, that he's not going to pull one of those, uh, oh, well, I'm here to rush the passer. I don't really care about rush defense. He's going to care. Let's hope he looks like Pernell McPhee in the preseason then, because, you know, Pernell McPhee had probably among the three or four greatest preseasons ever by a Raven in 2011. And he interviewed him after last game. He had like some sort of turnover worthy play pretty much in every game to that point. And he said, well, you know, I'm just trying to make the team hope I hope I, I, I can make the team as a fifth round pick. And Harbaugh was interviewed next. He goes, well, he's made the team. <laughs> That's pretty right. obvious. So, uh, that yeah, he'll get, a chance. he'll get a chance this preseason. Definitely get used oh, yeah. to the speed of the game. There's plenty of playing time, even though uh, there's only one cut down this year, Ken. So um, it kind of allows the coaches to really rest the guys that they they uh, want to rest that probably are going to be a big part of some kind of rotation. But Tavius, you know, you get them used to the speed of the game. And, um, you know, maybe the Ravens bring in an extra edge rusher. I would kind of expect them to. I would kind of put that over 50%. 
considering there's only really four proven edge players and one of them's a rookie and one of them only played what, you know, two games last year and the Jabo won two games. So, um, so yeah, Ken, it's going to be an interesting preseason for Tavius. Great point on bringing in another edge rusher. Cause I think that the chances are pretty good as well. And I, I think you've got the percentage just about correct. I'd say over 50%. It might, it might be a case where if Houston skips camp, the Ravens might've decided by the end of camp, if Tavius Robinson looks fantastic that, you know what? we're good. And, and they don't want to sign Houston to a deal that might cost them five, five or 6 million, 7 million with incentives kind of thing uh, to do that. I mean, Houston, I think Houston was within range of making a really big number with 10 sacks. Right. I think it was, I, there was, so. there was yeah. I haven't thought about that in a while, Ken, but that sounds right. But so, uh, you know, and it, not that he wasn't worth it. He was terrific last year, but, but if, if they, if they're looking for an outside uh, outside linebacker, they have a couple of different options. You can go the JPP route, probably again. I don't think he's been signed yet by anybody. And if you do, then you have a guy who can eat some early down snaps, very balanced run past defender, uh, does a lot of things well, gets his gets his arms up well to to, to try to flex some balls. So you, you got you got a lot of things he can he can provide you. But he's not a pure pass rusher the way Houston is anymore. Or you can go with Robinson and try and get him more playing time because if Houston is on the team and the other guys are all healthy, I see a lot of deactivations for Tavius Robinson. Yes. He'll he'll sit some games. Yes. Part of what made the expectations so tough for me on this one. I'm sure you had some other players that are, you know, the cornerback room or whatever, where the expectations are hard to gather. But yeah, when I was sitting there writing the expectations, I'm like, well, if we re-sign a, outside linebacker my expectations are this and if we don't yeah. my expectations are that so uh, i had to be careful with the wording wording on that for tavius yeah uh so okay so what else do we have um i had a lot, a lot of stuff on whether or not he's a sam candidate i i will say you know there is one thing about him being a sam candidate that i won't rule it out yet he, he has a similar 40 time to a Tyus bowser and obviously that's not at all what it's about i'm just saying his long speed is not so detrimental he's probably a little bit faster for example than than uh kyle hamilton kyle hamilton certainly can play some short zone defense certifiably he's got the same kind of well more height and a hulking presence that that uh, an underneath zone guy if he really understood what was going on behind him he he could give quarterbacks fits in terms of reading them but that's that's usually exactly the issue for an outside linebacker who's dropping to zone is he doesn't know exactly how to read the quarterback in that situation or what's going on behind him I think that, you know, it's it's not absolutely impossible, but I think it's probably a multi-year project to get him there as a Sam if if they did it. I, I see him as a situational pass rusher this year. I agree. I, I, I don't see him as a Sam candidate uh, just because uh, actually one of my draft notes was his, his 46640 is not measuring his lateral uh, quickness Good at point. all. I, I thought that he was a very linear player, more in the Adafio way than the David Ajabo mode, say. Uh, where it's straight ahead speed. But if you look at, you know, pass rush to pass rush, the lateral quickness, the lateral mobility of David Ajabo is on another level, um, even though Adafi would be the faster player, quote unquote. Uh, same thing with Tavius, fast player downhill. Um, but yeah, I you know, uh, back in the open field or something like that, or a slot receiver trying to stick with them. I just, I just don't see it. I, I agree with you. I, I expect him to be brought here to stop the run and get after the passer. All right. Well, maybe we talk about what a good and a great season is, unless you've got other comments to make about Chuck Smith or, you know, 
how I mean, Chuck Smith can improve everybody's toolkit. One of the nice things about Robinson is actually comes in with a pretty good toolkit. You know, came out of the SEC, had six sacks there, it was eighth in the conference, and that's the conference you want to be eighth in in terms of sacks. So uh, uh, that's pretty good. I, I, you know, everybody is going to learn from Chuck Smith, I hope. Um, but Tavius Robinson, you know, you certainly can pick up some things, I'm sure, from Chuck, even though he, he he's in a pretty good position to start with. Absolutely. So for me, a good season. I just want to start in, in chunks with them. I don't want to put any kind of numbers on this uh, just because of uh, the uncertainty of who we may add to the room. So I would say becomes a plus edge defender would be a good, good year. I think he has the tools. He has the want to to become a good to translate immediately as a good run defender kind of way. Uh, Adafio way was drafted to be Hey, maybe maybe a project in the pass rushing. Uh, but let's get you on the field and let's see you flash as a good edge defender and also said high motor flashes. So plus edge defender, somebody we can go into next year saying, we know Tavis can set the edge. We're confident in that going into 2024. And we keep seeing that high, high motor flash Ken. Yeah, that, uh, that, that obviously is a, is a very big deal. And, you know, something in, in terms of pursuit and the pass rush that, that he definitely really showed up in college. I, I've got a little bit different good season. I think he is the Ravens' clear choice as the fifth outside linebacker. That's a good season. For that's one of the one of the conditions I have. He's fourth on the current roster. That's pretty clear. Uh, you know, the, the release of Dalen Hayes. You don't know who else the team's going to pick up. The team could pick up two guys. They could be. He's he's a fifth outside linebacker, but he's so far down that he's not quite on the practice squad because they don't want to take a risk of losing him. But he's also never really at risk of getting activations or never really has a chance for activations. So I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for like a grade off to being the fifth outside linebacker where it's, it's pretty close. They'd like to get him there. Um, he, he, ideally he makes some sort of special teams contribution that helps him get some activations. And the obvious one that I could see for him would be if he's on the field goal block team, Nothing else really makes sense. I don't think he's going to be on either kick coverage or return team. Not impossible. He, you know, he could play the back end with Ricard uh, in terms of some kickoff returns, but that's a pretty limited role anyway. Um, I just don't, I don't really see much that he'd be doing on the punt team. If he's, if they did use him as a wing, that's where they use Tim Williams and Tyus Bowser at times. I guess that's a possibility in terms of a, of a place on the punt team, the punt coverage team where they would use him. Uh, but, but I think it's, it's actually fairly limited, the options. Uh, he needs to produce as a situational pass rusher. He needs to produce some, some pressures that create opportunities for other players, and he needs to create a couple finishes off first pressure. I don't, I'm not expecting to see really anything um, in terms of he beats his guy straight up for a sack. I, I think the Ravens have so little of that in their, in their offense, and frankly, it's so little apart of NFL sacks these days when you don't have the truly elite Aaron Donald, TJ Watt, JJ Watt a few years ago, uh, kind of guys that I think you don't even really look for that. You, you look for guys who make the quarterback uncomfortable and uh, can finish him when they're teed up a little bit by some other schematic element. That's, that's fine for me. I'm getting some feedback from you, Jason, right now, but, uh, but I just want to be clear about that. Um, and then I wanted to find, I'm sorry. Um, uh, I think the, the only other thing I have for a good season is his strength is adequate for the NFL game at 24. If it's not, that's a big concern because I don't think he's he's going to grow into his body a lot more. Uh, so an NFL weight room, how they always talk about that with rookies, not necessarily going to be the advantage 
uh, for him that it will be for others who are behind the curve in terms of where their strength is right now. There you go. I love it. I love the comments on special teams. Completely agree. I think wing is a is a kind of a long shot, but possible. Um, but yeah, field goal block, that would be great if he could get himself. Uh, and I love the way you put it, no worse than fifth. So if we bring somebody else in, that's still Tavius' spot. We'd love to get him active on game day, even if it's a numbers game and we can't. Um, but we're we're we and that's his spot. We definitely have a role for him on the team if uh if everybody else was uh wasn't so healthy and everybody else wasn't doing so great. So love the way you put that. How about a great season? What does that look for Tavius? I want to see uh, from a great season would be that he shows some pass rush ability on the inside. I think that he has that ability as a sub rusher to come in and give guards some trouble with his length and his straight ahead uh, burst, kind of like what we saw with Adafi away last year being so effective uh, from that four, four eye position one sub rushing to me, a great season would be okay. Yes. Okay. So he becomes a plus edge defender, you know, the good, you have to be the good to get to the great. So we, we know he can set the edge, uh, you know, Hey, maybe he still has some work to do to polish his game as an outside rusher, but just based on physical traits and Chuck Smith's coaching the first year, Hey, we got something on the, uh, on the inside with him too. So, you know, he's flashing both in all three phases of the game, say as a sub rusher, uh, edge rusher and also a run defender. Okay, very good. I think that would certainly qualify as as a great season the way you've defined it there. I, I defined it a little differently. And I'll start with this play in camp in the preseason screams for a role. I mentioned McPhee 2011. I actually got in there, so I kind of sold my own thunder there. But if you think about him, that would be terrific. If he plays 250 plus snaps in 10 plus activations, I think that would be great. Um, he needs to bring pass rush scheme flexibility to McDonald's defense. And I mean a couple of things there. Kick inside is is probably the biggest in terms of he doesn't see a big degradation in terms of what he does. I think one of the things he can do from the inside that could be very valuable is uh, crossing, crossing the face on stunts, crossing between two players, uh, and being the pick player as an under. He could probably do some over as well, but these those under guys often are the ones who end up getting the good opportunity. And so I think he could uh, he could be that. I think that'd be a, be an opportunity for him to actually get home some. Uh, I want him to find uh, have a personal pressure rate that is solid and create second man opportunities. So that's similar to what I had in the first one. Second man opportunities and some for himself in in a cleanup role. And then one other way to contribute. And I can I, I I'm not picky is what I've been saying about other players when we have this. I'll take batted balls, a contribution to turnovers in other ways, whether he's punching out some fumbles or falling on them some decent play as a Sam linebacker uh, where we say, Hey, wait a minute, this looks pretty good for, for Tavius Robinson. And, and we're saying, okay, maybe we were wrong about this whole Sam thing. And then also playing the run better than expected. I think you're in a better place with him against the run than I am. I think that's pretty clear from, from the way we've described both of this. I see him as pretty much a situational pass rusher. You're hoping he gets that run defense. Well, I hope he gets there too. I just, I think it's, it's a great season if, if he could do that. And it's only one of the other possible paths he has to get there as being a, 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 a better than expected run defender. Yes. Yes. Well said, Ken. Yeah. I, I expect him a little bit extra weight, a little bit uh, extra focus on it. Um, better coaching. I think he's got the body to, to be able to set the edge. And that's, I think that that's his number one path. They're, they're going to tell him 
look, if you can't play the, play the run, we got Adafi away. We got David Ajabo rushing the passer here. This is going to be their gig. You better be able to set the run if you want to get on the field. And, um, you know, I think that that's his main focus. And I, I, I saw the same things uh, like we talked about earlier in college of him getting uprooted too much. He's too big, too strong to, to get uprooted that much. And I think it has to do with his height. And I think better form, a more eff, uh, conscious effort on his form, staying low, getting long, uh, will go. I think he'll do better. Yeah, I do. I, I, I'm kind of higher on that than, than most, I would say, in his ability to stop the run. We'll be looking at it. I'm sure he'll be one of the players who get a good look at in in preseason. Of course, we won't know. Hit your mute button for a second here because the feedback is getting pretty heavy on me. But he'll be one of the players that um, will will get a lot of playing time in the preseason, but it will also be in the second half. So we'll have the question of, you know, these two left tackles or these two tackles, they probably won't even be on the field during the regular season they, and, and may not be on a roster anyway during the regular season. Um, and we'll have those questions that will naturally accrue. Uh, would be kind of nice if he got some first-half exposure in that preseason. Yes, there you go. I think the preseason big for him. Uh, he's All the rookies, really, but uh, especially for Tavius to find a role on this team because attrition is something else, man. So we're going to need him for something, chances are, during this season. We just don't know what. Jason, always a pleasure to talk football with you. Just great to have you on. The level of excitement, the the level of understanding of the game, and and just you know, I I really like the way you challenge thought when we're here. You know, we have uh, what I think are actually fairly mild differences of opinion about the guy, but then we can drill down on that, and we can we can talk about you know why why might this work out or why might it not, and and uh, love doing that with you. Hope we get a lot of chances this season. I'm certainly going to try and have you on as often as I can during the during the season for the for an offensive or defensive show because those are always very good uh, with you. They're always very good anyway, and and uh, uh, I hope uh, I get a chance to to uh, be on your show as well when you when you need me. Uh, tell folks where you can, you can find your work online. Sure, we're going to be starting back up pretty soon here. Uh, I'm looking at the end of July to start kicking out content. Of course, all the rave you can find footage of just about any Raven. Uh, on my channel, if you want to really drill down, see what they do well. Um, also going to have a weekly show again this year, Ken. Uh, so, of course, I'll be inviting you on for some preseason stuff. Uh, it's Huddle It Up Films, excuse me, on YouTube. You can also follow me on Twitter, at Huddle It Up Films. Pretty easy to find me. Um, but I always enjoy being here, Ken. And, yeah, I, see, these are the things that are they're tough to talk about with other people when you start getting into real specifics. But I was thinking about that draft, and I like I it got me excited to come on to speak with you because I'm like, man, I I don't think that you know I think a Sam is just we're not looking at that like maybe Trent, Trenton Simpson is our backup Sam, and that's how we're going to use deception mm-hmm. wreaking havoc on third down. Um, you know, it's just a lot of different ways that this uh, this season could go, this defense can go. Um, just really excited makes me excited to talk to points where I'm like, I don't I want to see what Ken has to say on this. It'll be it'll be a lot of fun, you know, because we're like opening our presents. It's really Christmas morning when you have a new defensive coordinator. And so McDonald's been here a year. We already know some of what his scheme looks like or we think we do. But it could be that new players like what multiple uses for Hamilton, which I'm not really honestly in favor of. I, I think, you know, try try and get him into a role or two roles where he really understands them very well and don't give him Camelot Correa disease. 
in terms of moving around to multiple positions or, or Michael Lohr disease. Um, and I, 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 I still think it's possible a player like Simpson, they might find some role that we haven't quite figured out what it is for him. That's not necessarily just backup will linebacker. I'm sure if somebody got hurt, that's exactly what he'll be. But if, if uh, you know, in times when they're not hurt, they are going to probably be tempted to try and get him on the field. He's going to be active on game day for special teams. And I'm sure they're going to be tempted to try and get him on the field in other ways. And just be interesting to see how that happens, whether it has to be rotationally or, or in blowouts, or whether it's something where they can actually find a package of plays for him to do something interesting. Yeah. Maybe play some nickel, not for one-on-one defense, but okay. Maybe we're going to blitz him from that corner or maybe we just drop him in a short zone. Yep. Um, we're, you know, Sam linebacker and, I expect Simpson to work on his inside linebacker chops during the, the preseason. But when he was quoted, uh, in fact, I talked to Voss and Yuri about this yesterday. He was quoted, what's your role? And he said something like well, to cause havoc on third down. So how is that going to, how is that going to manifest itself? We're, it's just going to be an exciting preseason, Ken. All right. Lots of fun, Jason. I uh, really appreciate you joining us. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up with a DM on Twitter. They're always open. Love to hear from you. Still got a little bit of time in July. This is a great time to get a short done uh, during this dead period here before camp starts. Jason, thanks again for coming on. Thank you, Ken. Appreciate you. And we'll talk to you next time on Film Study. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.